Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. I'm excited about what the Lord has shared with us thus far out of the book of James. Uh, it has been a treasure trove of spiritual understanding. I feel the Lord has given us uh, in these few verses. I'm not even out of the first chapter. Uh, to the I'm only to verse 14. And uh, it has been a tremendous help uh, in my understanding of how to face some of the challenges of life and some of the circumstances that we, we all face. I've talked to others, and I know it's been a blessing to many of you. Uh, and with that, I just felt again, let's get back into it again. I stopped there in verse 14. Uh, actually, I was closing with Galatians chapter 5 and starting with verse 16. I want to pick up uh, in that same vein again before we transition uh, to the next few verses. There's some verses I've done read a little bit further and studied, and uh, I'm really wanting to get into those because I feel very strongly that there's some other nuggets of truth that God wants to share with us from the book of James. I love how he presents things. Uh, you, you can feel the depth and the, uh, the, the true spirit of encouragement that he's trying to give to the people there that he pastors in Jerusalem, trying to give them the words of encouragement that they were needing at a very difficult time. They were facing persecutions and, and uh, new doctrines were coming down the pike and uh, philosophies were coming down the pike and James does a great job at helping them to understand it. And another note in it uh, is to me it's a very relevant book even though it was several years ago, uh, you still can find these truths are applicable to you and I today. And I feel like the Lord has given us those keys to help us unlock some of the challenges or questions maybe ask, we may ask in our tomorrows or even current situations today. So with that said, I'm anxious to get into it here tonight I want us to pray and ask God to help us. He has helped us so much and I'm so thankful for the spirit of revelation that has been upon us in these sessions and I want God to do it again tonight and I know he's done it before and he's going to do it again tonight so pray with me right now. Jesus, we are so dependent on you. We are at your mercy. We are uh, without you God it's just a book. But I'm asking you tonight, let the light of revelation come upon the pages of this book. And as we read it, as we study it, as we hunger for it, all components that you've asked us that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be filled. God, we're asking tonight for a fresh refilling, a fresh understanding, a fresh revelation to the Word of God. I ask it for all of us as a people that we would be empowered and strengthened for what you hold in our tomorrows. God, we're not here wasting time. We're doing this because we believe your word is the bread of life that we need in our todays and tomorrows. And we're asking you to let your word have a resounding effect. I pray tonight in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to start with James uh, 1, chapter 1, uh, verse 14. And uh, we have covered uh, many, many verses here and 
the general theme, I guess you would say, we've talked about the process, we've talked about steady faith, and then I, I forget, I, I fail to even remember the other one, we, the title of what we're doing here, the blessing, basically, in the trial, that there's a blessing. And verse 12 uh, is where that came from. There's a blessing in all of this. He transitions in verse 12 uh, to verse 13 and 14. And what you want to understand in, in these verses uh, and, and pay key uh, note or attention, uh, if you read all of this just kind of rapidly, you miss these transitional verses. And, and this uh, first chapter of James uh, has many of these transitional verses. And, and if you remember when we studied verses 2 through 4, it was talking about temptation in the sense of distresses and trials and then he begins to shift gears in verse 12 and temptation now begins to take on a different meaning contextually uh, it bears this out and he begins to talk about temptations that you are led or you and I are drawn away by and uh, I think verse 13 was where he talked about uh, God cannot be tempted James very emphatic in verse 12 wanted to set the stage and set the tone that God tempts no man. I, and I'm just giving you some highlights here. Just uh, I want us to all be on the same page. I know I said a lot of this last week, but uh, I want it to be bore out again that before we get into this, you have a fresh remembrance of what we have, have talked about, that the theme of it and the continuity of it, uh, you and I are on the same page and, and we're feeling the same thing. So he says God does not tempt any man in verse 13. And then he shifts into verse 14 is where we covered last week. And it says, but every man is tempted. And if you'll remember, I bore out the fact that the temptation is there. It's going to be there. It's not God tempting you. And what he's trying to, to show you and I is from the very beginning of these verses, he's dealing with external temptations. The trials come and we want to give up or throw in the towel when really God's working something for our good. And if we'll uh, acknowledge these things in us, God uh, will work it for the good and ultimately heaven. But now he's changing to more of an internal temptation. And he says, but every man, but every man, is tempted. It's not when, it, or it's not a matter of maybe, it's going to come. Temptation is going to come. But he's shifting now from external to an internal approach for man. That you and I now have to understand that there's an element about us that can be drawn away. And, and if the enemy can't discourage you by external means, uh, there's, there's a part of unregenerated humanity that has selfish desires that is drawn away when temptation comes. So he's saying every man is going to be tempted, but when he's drawn away, he is drawn away of his own lust. And that is a key part and a, a, a landmark statement that I want to launch from here tonight because it's when we use that statement, he is drawn away of his own lust. He's talking about selfish or a sense of selfish desire. So remembering now the writer James is shifting from uh, that external trial that's to be endured 
to now more of an internal temptation that's got to be resisted. So he's saying now that that lust is is a selfish desire. It's our own desire, lust or passion uh, is, is what he's talking about. And that when every man is tempted, it's that selfish desire that is being drawn away. And it was here at this moment last week that I referred to Paul in Romans. I have the scripture. Uh, it's Romans 7, uh, chapter 7, verses 17 through 23. It's there that Paul is talking about the warring in his members. So what, you, what I want to bring together here in this moment, and hopefully I did there at the close, but I, I wrapped it up so quickly because I, I felt like I was out of time. Now he's dealing with the component of flesh. This is the part that you and I probably struggle the most with. Not this flesh, but our flesh, our will is what he's referring to. And Paul in Romans 7, he's talking about this war. Uh, within me, my members, that that which I know to do, uh, when I know to do good, I don't do it. And that which I know not to do, I do. And, and, and there's a constant war in the members. So Paul is alluding to this factor. This is a man now filled with the Holy Ghost. So what he's saying is, is even though you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there's an element of flesh that you and I are going to have to deal with. And if we don't deal with that, we are going to be drawn away that what was meant uh, temptation or these things that come that we so easily can overcome. They're not meant to destroy us. They're not meant to, to take us out. It's, it's meant to, to pull us away from God. But when we understand the tactic that, hey, I've got to control my selfish desire in this temptation. And again, I alluded to this. This isn't just so many times we think of temptation as a moral temptation, a sexual sin. That is not the only connotation, though it may allude to that. There are other selfish desires that you and I agreed. Uh, I, I made reference to this the last time. Uh, lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The three temptations that Eve found there in the garden. And there she looked upon it, she took of it, and she ate of it. The three three uh, types of temptation. Jesus had the same thing in the wilderness. Satan said, turn these stones into bread. And then he took him up to a pinnacle. And then he took him to a higher mountain. All three of them typifying are symbolic of the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those three temptations are the venues by which it's going to come. Whether that be a temptation for greed, whether that be a temptation for covetousness, whether that be a temptation for jealousy, envy, strife, contention, or whether it be some moral uh, temptation. When he says don't be drawn away or you are drawn away by your own lusts, these selfish desires, there's the broad heading, all of the things I just named come underneath that component, selfish desires, flesh. So what you and I have to be apprised of, and so he, well, I, I'll never do that. I'll never smoke a cigarette. Well, that's maybe not your temptation or maybe a desire that you have, but it may be a desire for somebody else. So James is is trying to wrap this up and say you're drawn away by these selfish desires. Paul plugs into this in Romans when he says there's a war. Now, if you've got James and Paul, Two powerhouse men of God, in my opinion, obviously apostles. I mean, that right there says it all. But these were normal men. If they struggled with selfish desires, whatever that may encompass, 
it would be to me and your benefit that if these men struggled, I don't want to be so arrogant in myself to say I got it down pat. I don't want to be so arrogant in myself to say, well, bless God, I'm a preacher. I don't struggle with that. If I don't struggle with that, I struggle with this. There's some element that you and I, he says, but every man is tempted. There's something in you and I that is a selfish, unbridled, untempered, unregenerated nature that the Holy Ghost has not been able to work out in me and you. And the quicker I, I accept that internal struggle. Again, remember what James is talking about. There's a blessing in all of this. And the blessing is I want to be saved. The blessing is I want to make heaven. The blessing is I want to become more like Christ. Because the more I become like Him, the more of the benefits I get of being more like Him. Joy. I wonder if much of the lack of joy we don't face or we don't have is because of internal things that we have left just kind of undone. These are just to me clues. They were helpful to me because it helped me to understand. Okay, Scott, it was a sobering moment. You ain't all that. It kind of brings me to a sobering moment that no matter how much I think I've acquired, I look in that mirror every day and remember, hey, I can still be lost. It's a sobering thought. I'll never forget. Brother Ewing made a statement, and I'm, I'm trying to recall the details of it uh, in, in totality. He, if I'm not mistaken, he was about to go to a conference to preach it. I need to ask Sister Ewan, maybe she can help me to remember. And I, I want to know it before. But it, this is it in a gist. I know the gist of it. He was about to preach a conference. And right before that conference, he was wrestling in himself what to preach, which is the typical protocol preacher. He wants to do the will of God, speak as the oracle of God for the people of God, and on and so forth. And I knew him well enough. He took that very seriously. And he woke up that morning and he looked at himself in the mirror and, and I, I can literally see him across from that desk telling me this, this part of the story. He said he looked at himself in the mirror and he kind of just slapped himself in the face and he looked at himself in the mirror and he said, Boy, don't you ever forget where you came from. Don't you ever forget who you are. And to me, it, it, it resonated uh, with such a... Uh, I don't know, just a, something just hit me in my heart. You know, here he was about to go preach a conference, a general conference, whatever it was. For him, it was big events. But yet there was a part in him that he made his flesh understand. You might get all the fanfare and all this stuff, but don't ever forget you're human. And you can, you can believe your own press. You know, I'm, I'm now reading into, he didn't say that, but it's almost like I could hear him saying that. And he, in that minister's class, he was trying to teach us young men that, that remember, if there's anything that's going to mess anything up, it's your flesh. And, and that story just, which just had such a powerful uh, truth or understanding to me. Well, to me, that's what Paul was trying to say. I wore in my members and and some days I win and some days who would be honest right now and say some days I win and some days I lose 
But that doesn't mean we're discounted from the race. It doesn't mean God throws us to the curb and just says, hey, you, you, you're, 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 you're done for. Just because you make a mistake or you say something, you, you, don't, uh, you know that it wasn't right. Here's the beautiful thing of the Holy Ghost. You and I that have it, immediately we feel that conviction or we feel that moment. It's, that's God trying to show you and I, okay, we need to get this, this desire. There's a desire to lash out. There's a desire for me to speak my mind. There's a desire for me to tell you my opinion even though my opinion may be wrong. These are selfish in intent. You know, right now, we're facing a world right now. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion of this. I loved and appreciate that part about Brother Ewing because he kept many times his opinion to himself. Unless it had a kingdom impact, he kept his thoughts to himself. The Bible says, A fool uttereth all of his heart. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute because how many times have we uttered things and immediately we felt guilty? We just made ourselves a fool because our opinion really didn't matter and it didn't change at all. It did was create more contention or more this or more. Did it impact the kingdom? Did my words benefit the kingdom? Did my the, the death and life is in the power of the tongue? Am I speaking things that's going to enlarge the kingdom? Am I encouraging a brother? Folks, selfish desires counteracts that. If there's selfish desires in me and I don't get them under control, I'll begin to speak negatively about the things. I speak negative about uh, authority. I speak negative about just life. When really death and life's in my tongue, when I, if I could speak more life, how much further would that go? Paul's saying, I wrestle with it, I battle with it. Well, James, he struggled with it too when he began to talk about this. He said, you're enticed, you're drawn away by your own uh, sense of selfish desire. I wrote this down, James does not identify the temptation. Because Eve had a different fruit. Everybody's got a different temptation. Everybody struggles with something. Now it's up to you and I to recognize it's a war in my flesh, a war in my members that I need to deal with. On the contrary, it is our own evil, selfish desires that tempt us to sin. The selfishness traps us and drags us away. I didn't read that statement last time. Those things drag us away. It is our own evil, selfish desire. And evil is a strong word. I hate to think of myself as evil. But when you think of things that contradict God's word, I guess it would be called evil. Because I'm doing something that's dark against God that is light. And we're going to get into that here in a minute. He said it's our own evil, selfish desires that tempt us to sin. Those selfish desires trap us and drag us away. you got to get that part because this is the transition moment now. We're going into the next verse. It's my selfish desires. That's what the word entice means. It baits me. So my own selfish flesh baits me and traps me and drags me away. So you see the problem. Sometimes we blame the devil when really it's my own selfish desires that go unchecked, go unbridled, 
They go undealt with in prayer. How do you deal with it? So what's the answer? He's going to give it to us here a little bit later. But let me jump to the end, jump to a point here. You conquer that through real Holy Ghost praying. You and I conquer that through real fasting and reading the Word of God. And every day I try to discipline my life to live like a Christian, to talk like a Christian, to act like a Christian, to even let my thoughts. The writer, I forget which one it was in one of the books, I think it was Paul, he said, whatsoever things are pure, think on these things. Whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. I, Paul's saying the root of it starts in the evil desire and selfish desire of thoughts that begin to draw us or trap us. We can't let them go unchecked. I, I read last time in Galatians chapter 5 and I want to go back and read them again because here's the works of the flesh that he said so easily entraps us. If you're not led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 19, this is Galatians chapter 5. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these things. Adultery, fornication. Now I want you to think many of these you've heard preachers say, there's a spirit of adultery. There's a spirit of this, a spirit of that. Remember, all of this starts in the flesh. To me, that's what's so powerful about the understanding of this. Hell does not have control of me in your life. Hell does not, the, Satan, the tempter, the evil one, the wicked one, he does not have control of me in your life. The works of the flesh is where it all starts that gives him control. You remember a long time ago, I, I, I used this and I've, I've heard it used before many times. It talks about uh, the curse upon Satan was the dust of the earth. He would eat the dust. Dust speaks of man. Man was made of the dust of the earth, carnality. Satan's substance comes from man's carnality. The more carnal we are, the more we're a buffet to Satan. If you want to feed your enemy, just be carnal. There's nothing more frustrating and more detrimental to the work of God. The devil is not the problem to the furtherance of the kingdom. The devil is not the problem to the first. The church has authority. We have power over dominions, high places. That's not the problem to the church. The problem that hinders the kingdom from going forward is the carnality of humanity. Our carnal nature and works of the flesh is what opens the door for the enemy then to come up and create a stronghold that then would stop it or hinder it. So if you and I get a hold of the flesh, we in turn can counteract any attack that the enemy would have. So when doubt and unbelief comes against your mind or worry or fear or um, uh, things that just want to uh, hate, uh, anger, uh, all of the things, these, when these things start coming, look at Paul. Adultery, fornication, lasciviousness. You know what the word lascivious means? It means lack of restraint. Idolatry. Folks, you say, well, I don't worship a statue. No, but we worship the God of this world. There's things that we do in idolatry. It's idolatry. Statues. I mean, whatever statue it would may be. Uh, I know it's easy to call Buddha because he's a statue. But folks, we got statues in North America that people worship. You could think of a few of them right now. And if it's not a statue, it's basically a God. That we worship. He's saying idolatry, it's a work of the flesh. 
Witchcraft, I touched on this last time. Witchcraft starts as a work of the flesh. Witchcraft is this. Somebody that would try to operate through the flesh to control you. That has the beginning works of witchcraft. They try to manipulate you. They try to control you. Now you say, well, how? They can do it many ways. Kids can manipulate parents. A, a pitch a fit on the floor, a temper tantrum. They're trying to manipulate their parents to give them what they want. You say, well, that kid, you're calling my kid a witch. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is any behavior that would be used to control you to get their way is a work of the flesh. Paul calls it witchcraft. Bully. Somebody that's a bully. You know, I know with spouses, this is, can be a deal. Uh, a, a husband, a wife can try to bully each other, bully the kids to get their way for something. It's the potentials of witchcraft. If that work of the flesh goes unchecked, it will invite a demonic spirit. And I've seen that before. At a later date, I'd like to come back and deal and talk about some of these things, how these things really operate, and tell you some experiences that I've had. And, and this points it out. When you open your, yourself through a work of the flesh, these things can become uh, a stronghold in the spirit world. So he names witchcraft as a work of the flesh. What some other ways? People could use their, their opulence. They could use their prestige. Uh, they could use their uh, political position to try to get something. People can use their money to manipulate witchcraft. I've seen that over and over. They, they try to use money to try to get their way. Well, if you don't do this, well, then I'm not going to... Uh, I've seen it work in churches. I'm not going to give my tithing. I'm not going to give my offering. That could lead into a spirit of witchcraft where there's a demonic spirit now and a stronghold in that church. I'm going to withhold these things because I'm going to try to hurt you. These are works of the flesh that James and Paul are trying to deal with. And if you and I, again, remember, we always... You'll hear preachers say... I feel a spirit of witchcraft. I feel this. Here's what he's saying. It started with a work of the flesh that somebody needs to go back to an altar of prayer and repentance and ask God, God, forgive me for trying to take on my selfish motives or selfish desires. Verse 20, he said, hatred, variance. Are we not seeing hatred right now? Think about it right now. There's so much hatred going about in our country. What's going on? These people are trying to use hatred to try to get what they want. A political upheaval, civil unrest, it doesn't matter what you call it. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Heresies, you wonder where false doctrine comes from? It comes from a work of the flesh. People that have read the Word of God over and over and over and over again, and now they take, I know people that will take the Word of God and use it to manipulate somebody or manufacture a, a false doctrine. Heresies come through a work of the flesh. Envies, murder, drunkenness, reveling, such like this of which I tell you before and I've told you in times past. They that which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, to me, that is, that, that is such a strong mandate to me as a Christian. I want my life. If You know, we always go, and especially us as apostolics, we want to quote John 3 where he talks to Nicodemus. He said, except a man's got to be born of the water and of the Spirit, he can no wise enter the kingdom. And we use that to, to preach salvation, and rightfully so. But, you know, once we preach that one, let's go on now to Galatians chapter 5. And he says, now once you get the Holy Ghost, we've got to make sure and be aware of these works of the 
flesh that if we don't get them under control, they're going to inhibit us or cause us to miss it. Do you kind of see now the theme of James is still the same? There's not a contradiction in the Word of God with James. He started with temptations come and trials come, that these external problems... But what's it for? It's trying to get us ready for heaven. And now he shifts gear to internal temptations that are selfish desires. So you got the external trials and crises of life and you got selfish desires on the end. The two components that can draw you and I away is that we look at everything around us and what's not right and we lose our faith in God or we don't deal with the fleshly entities and the selfish desires within us and we lose our walk with God. James is trying to show you and I that it doesn't matter what these things are that you and I battle, external or internal. We can never lose sight that God is not tempting you and I to fail. These are things that are part of life, part of us as a creation, that there's an unregenerated fleshly nature that only you and only I can grab it by the nap of the neck and say, I'm not going to let you control me like this. I'm not going to let hatred rule my life. I'm not going to let unforgiveness rule my life. I'm not going to let anger rule my life. I'm not going to let moral perversions rule my life. I'm not going to let witchcraft be a part of me that I manipulate somebody to get my way and control them in, in something else. Selfish desire. I'm not going to let that reign in my life. And James says it so well. These selfish desires, these fleshly works trap us and drag us away. Now, I finally made it to verse 15. I wish I could hear about five amens right here. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Here it is. Hath conceived suggests the union of evil desire and human will allowing evil desire to linger and grow. Here's what James just said in verse 14. When that selfish desire hath conceived. When that selfish desire, that fleshly desire goes unchecked. See, this is why prayer is imperative every day of me in your life. Fasting consistently is imperative as part of our life. The Bible talks about, he said, except by prayer and fasting can these things be done. The casting out of, of a devil was that particular text. Prayer and fasting are key foundational components, but prayer that is intense, prayer that is fervent, prayer that is effectual, prayer that is honest and transparent, that you and I go to God with an open heart and we say, God, I need you more than anything. And tears begin to fall down your cheek as you get honest and transparent before God. That is the only answer to deal with me and your flesh. I can't deal with your flesh. Does it matter how much I preach, how well I preach, how well people preach to me? My pastor and his preaching that I've heard by the countless hours, he cannot reign in my flesh for me. I'm the only one that can take that selfish desire that I'm born with. 
that does not go away until I reach streets of gold, until I make heaven. It's going to forever be that for me. That's what Paul said. It's going to be a forgoing battle. But here's what James says. When that lust has conceived, when you don't deal with that element of selfish desire in the flesh, I'm firmly convinced this is why revival is hindered in our churches. It's not a devil. It's not even a stronghold. They may be a factor. But the carnality of my own self. I'm preaching to me as a preacher. My own carnality. Things I know I shouldn't say. Things I know I shouldn't do. Things I know I should change in my life when I look at the Word of God and know my life is not measuring up to that Word. I want to change it. The benefit of all of it is there's a blessing that I'm going to get. I'm going to get one here, but I'm going to get one when I reach the other side. That's what a crown of life that you and I will rule and reign with Christ. That's what this is all about. Contrary to just Acts 2.38. I want to be careful. I'm going to qualify that. Acts 2.38 is the foundational salvation. I preached about it Sunday. I believe it. But all it is is my passport to get me on the boat. The boat ain't left yet to get me to heaven. So until then, i got to do my due diligence to make sure I'm prepared for the voyage that's going to take me to eternity. That's why we're Christians. We're to reach people, seek and save that which was lost, fulfill the great commission and preach the gospel to the whole world and to the earth. But when I'm done preaching the gospel, or rather I'll never be done preaching the gospel, you, you and I telling people about heaven. But the objective is I want to make heaven my home. He said that evil desire, it becomes unified with Human will. And because it lingers and it begins to grow, he says, it brings forth sin. Watch this. This, this, this helped me understand. When you see somebody sin, are you, I'm not advocating judgment. That's not what I'm saying. We judge everybody. But I know as a preacher, it's like, man, how did that person fall into sin? How did that happen? Right here. Evil desire, adultery, lasciviousness, witchcraft, hatred, emulation, heresies, all these things went unchecked. And before long, it lingered too long. And now that human will has merged with a selfish desire And now, that word conception, it's talking about a seed has now begun to grow. I want to make it very clear. I'm not talking about somebody that makes a mistake. You and I will make mistakes. We're going to say things, do things, hear things, go play. It doesn't matter. We make mistakes. God's merciful. What I can't let it do is... Let it go unchecked without repentance. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I wish I was in the church with you and we were together right now while I'm teaching this lesson. If we just let it not go unchecked, you and I can make it. That's why 
you're going to make, I'm not giving you and I license to sin, but what I'm saying is you're going to make a mistake. You're going to do something. When you do, immediately go back to this verse. Don't let it, that selfish desire conceive with your will and don't give it time to grow. That's why immediately, you ever wonder the scripture that says pray without ceasing? There it is. When you're driving down the road and that person cuts you off, and you're in the verge of wanting to say, I know this ain't none of y'all, I mean, but you want to say, you, and you catch yourself, but yet you thought about it right then. Stop. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. That was wrong. See, selfish desire, hate. I'm going to run you off. I'm using this as a very simple story. Please make it personal to you. Stop. Take that selfish desire. Bring it to an altar and say, God, forgive me at that moment. Because if I let it linger too long, it's going to grow. You ever go, I go back to what I originally said. You ever wonder why I said, how did that happen? They all of a sudden sinned. No, they didn't. There was selfish desire that went unchecked. Day after day after day and we pretended to be Pentecostal and we came and lifted our hand and said there's nothing wrong. I'm okay. I didn't do that. You got unforgiveness in your heart. Forgive. You're going to let that linger too long and it's going to linger. That bitterness is going to linger too long and before long it's going to merge now together with, with your will and you're going to have a tree in your spirit that you're not going to be able to uproot and God's going to say, it's revival. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to give a miracle in your family and you can't see because the tree is so big from something that's unsettled. Never been resolved in your heart and your spirit from years ago. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Unforgiveness is killing us. It's hindering revival. It's stopping the move of God because of a carnal nature. When all along God said, I'm ready for you to come. I want you to make heaven with me. Deal with it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Because let me tell you what, tomorrow you're going to have another temptation. And you're going to have another one. And before long it's going to be one after the other. And it's going to be insurmountable. And you and I are going to be looking at, at sin eyeball to eyeball and saying, How did I get here? I'll tell you how you got there. I'll tell you how. If I ever fall in sin, remember this lesson. This is how I got there. I didn't repent before it grew. Catch it now. Because now we got generations coming up of young people. We're now sowing those seeds into our next generation. Now some preachers got to come along and separate the wheat from the tare. Separate things in the spirit of man that was never intended to be there that you and I should have dealt with years ago. The union of selfish desire and human will lingered and grew. He says it like this. It bringeth forth sin. Sin didn't just happen overnight. I know apostolic Pentecostals, it just didn't happen overnight. It started with something that was left unchecked when all it would have taken would have been an admission 
to I'm wrong before God. That's the hardest battle. To say we're wrong. I'm sorry. I messed up. Folks, listen to me today. This is what it's going to take to make heaven. I've said this before and I want to be real careful when I say this. I believe there's apostolic Pentecostals sitting on our pews that are lost and won't make heaven. Because of this right here. Sin. Things that we need to deal with. He said it brings forth sin. Watch. And sin, when it comes, it brings death. I'm going to stop with this verse. I actually made it to 15. I'm going to stop. But here's what I want you to see in closing to this lesson. He said, it bringeth forth death. Does anybody remember verse 12? If not, I'm going to read it for you. James, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he's tried, he shall receive a crown of life. What did James just say here? Now you're going to die. Do you see what James is painting here? It don't have to be death. He's dealing with life and people that are facing the same struggles you and I face. They face the same temptations. Okay, you say, well, we don't have a phone, you know, that we have to deal with. And, and, you know, the struggles and TV. I remember back years ago, TV and the, you know, listen, folks. Well, there's a, look, I, I, things can be gotten to. We can't make enough rules and regulations to stop it. It starts in the heart. Holiness starts in the heart. And James is trying to show us the picture of there's a crown of life. Here's the blessing. That's why the title of this is the same title as last week. It'll be part three. The blessing of it all in temptation externally and internally is that you get a crown of life. And James paints it in the last picture saying the internal struggle that would stop you from getting that crown of life is a desire that's selfish that leads to sin that's going to lead to death. Remember, James, I close with this statement. He's preaching to Holy Ghost-filled saints. It adds credence to what I just said. There were people on his pew that probably looked the part, acted the part, but yet things were unresolved in the heart. What do you say? We just let God give us the blessing of eternal hope not only in the life to come, but in this life. And all it would take is me understanding. I got to die daily, like Paul said, lest I count myself a castaway. As people that believe in eternal salvation, once you accept Jesus Christ, you're saved. Those scriptures right there counteract that. Once saved, always saved. That's impossible. Paul even said, I, I got to be careful. I'm going to end up being a loss. A castaway was the word he used. He said, I got to die daily. Every day I wake up, I got to deal with my flesh and my past and what the mistakes of yesterday. Every day. Christianity is a day-to-day, everyday walk. And if you and I will remember that, there is a great blessing 
that God wants to give us. Heaven's going to be my home. Boy, y'all better watch out. Y'all better be glad I can't sing because I'd bust out a song right here, a cappella, with nobody in the room. I just think about those old songs, thinking about heaven and thinking about seeing our Lord face to face and all our lost loved ones, all this kind of stuff. It just makes me thankful that truth ever came knocking on my door that I could see or have a chance to see his face again. I want us to pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, for the power of the Holy Ghost. I felt so strong in this lesson. God, I plead your blood over the seed, the soil, that it was transmitted to my heart, the heart of your people together, us as a family. I pray today, let the seed of your word, God, let it take root. And right now, where someone would be struggling and battling with a battle of the flesh, God, lead somebody to a deeper prayer. Lead somebody to maybe some days of fasting and consecration to help get these things under control. God, I ask you, you don't want that any would perish or that any would be lost. That's the reason you moved on James to say what he said, that none would be lost or none, but that we could all experience the blessing that you have for us in heaven and on earth. God, I ask you for the blessing and the favor of God to be on all of us here until we come together again in the faith. In Jesus' name I pray. I love every one of you. God bless you. See you soon.